Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about a TV personality called Danny Moran, who rescues a mongrel from a genetic research facility. Seemingly a normal loving pet, the dog is soon revealed to be a genetic crossbreed with super speed, strength, and intelligence derived from the genes of various deadly animals. It also has a thirst for blood. As chaos breaks out in Danny's neighborhood, the monstrous hound's unhinged creator, that's me, returns to cage the beast once more. At least... That's what I would be saying if this was a podcast remake of the 1993 schlocky horror film and possible Jurassic World inspiration, Man's Best Friend. This podcast is really about two guys engaging in 40-odd minutes of purposeless blibber-blabber about movies. I, Sam Foster, am one, and the other is the charmingly naive dog lover, Danny Moran. That's actually probably the most accurate description <laughs> of me we've had. Yeah, they're, they're usually a bit out there, but that one's that one nailed you. All this week, me and Sam have dedicated ourselves to find the answer to life's greatest mystery, namely, women. What are they about? We sellotaped our balls between our legs, injected ourselves with copious amounts of estrogen, and read Jermaine Greer's entire bibliography in the hope that we might get a glimpse of the inner workings of a female psyche. Unfortunately, none of this uh, actually worked. It looked like a lost cause, but luckily two films have come out that have shown us what the hell it means to be a lady, girl, woman person in 2015. The first, Trainwreck, is the film debut of So Hot Right Now comedian Amy Schumer and deals with sex, love and alcohol. The second, Diary of a Teenage Girl, deals with sex, love and casual drug use. And Sam also saw some Spanish film which has some guns and deaths and shit in it, so um, stick around, men, for that. Yeah. Don't worry about the women stuff. <laughs> we also tackle the latest movie news and correspondence, and there's just enough time for me to perform my sellout one-man Edinburgh show entitled Prince on Prince, where I perform all of the songs in Prince's back catalogue as if I'm Prince Philip in a segment I cannot foresee not being in the show because it really was very good. Yeah, sounds excellent. So we've got a message from Steph Mildinner. 
No be dinner. delighted to hear me say it that way because the message includes an explanation of how to pronounce his name. He says, always a pleasure to be read out on the show. Cheers. You're welcome. You're welcome, Steph. For the record, my name is pronounced Mill Dinner and Ren... Um, oh, dear. And this needs a pronunciation guide as well. As well. <laughs> Ren Hoek is a fictional character from the 90s Nickelodeon animation The Ren and Stimpy Show. He was drawn and voiced by John... Jesus. <laughs> Listen, Steph. Okay, for future for future reference, every name in any context. This goes for all of our listeners. In fact, every single name requires an extensive pronunciation guide. Yeah, what a open brackets, yeah. a phonetic yeah. breakdown of how you say it. Close brackets. Yeah, and, and uh, use the international phonetic alphabet as well, just to be absolutely precise. Okay, I'm going to say Ren Hoek, and he was drawn and voiced by John Crickfalusi. Thanks very much for. Writing in, Steph. Steph, how did you hear about us? We're curious, because you're like our only legitimate <laughs> fan. Unless, of course, you're just like my mum, who's created this elaborate sort of backstory to, to you know, boost my self-esteem. Yeah, he's going to be thinking that this is less and less a legitimate um, <laughs> podcast you're listening to, isn't it? And purely designed he's gonna, just He's going to feel more and more like someone who's wandered into a party that he wasn't invited to, and everyone's like, who's this guy? <laughs> Anyway, it really is. It really is uh, good. Good to hear from you, and uh, yeah, it would be good to know how uh, how you um, found us because normally people find us when we contact them personally and say, <laughs> "Listen to this, Danny." Once again, you took on the role of being the discussion stimulator. Yeah, but on the Film Chat Facebook page this week, I mean, it was a it was a damn squib. No one was. No well, one was it, didn't, it didn't catch on fire as your as your past efforts have, but I personally, even though I didn't say anything, still found it very interesting. Thanks, man. What what was it? Well, I um rediscovered this old Tarantino interview where he was asked about um, Batman. I guess that's what a question people ask people all the time. Batman? Batman? Quentin? He said he didn't think it was that interesting a character and it's a, like a tough job for an actor to do because there's not much on the page. But he thought Michael Keane did the best. And then he said that, you know who would have made a good Batman? Alec Baldwin in the 80s. And I was like, that is the most genius idea ever. Yeah. And the more I think about it, so you're Tim Burton, you've just made Beetlejuice, which stars Alec Baldwin and Michael Keaton. They're like, do you want to make Batman? I'm like, yes, I've got the perfect guy. There's one guy in my cast who's like this raspy-voiced, super suave guy who's obviously a bit mental. He can play the anger, and he's got like a really chiseled chin. And there's Michael Keaton. So I'll cast that guy as Batman? Yeah. That just seems mad. Do you reckon he asked Baldwin, and Baldwin turned him down, and then he just turned slightly to the left? <laughs> and uh... He offered the Gina Davis next. Yeah. He's like, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> and then Michael Keaton. <laughs> Just remember the entire beat. Offered it to Winona Ryder. Yeah. Winona? <laughs> Batman? Batman? Yeah. Okay, Keaton said yes. So anyway. I was suggesting other sort of fantasy casting. I suggested Christopher Plummer for Dumbledore. Basically, I think Christopher Plummer should play all charming old men. Every time you need like a twinkly old man mm. with charisma... Just get Christopher Plummer. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, you should have played um, all four characters in Last Vegas. <laughs> yeah, just they got the technology, right? Just get the guy who did like, the, the Winklevoss twins from Social Network. <laughs> <laughs> they should all be Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Yeah, right? but that can... would have been a much better movie. They must have the technology, right? Well, there's all those Eddie Murphy films. He should have done Eddie Murphy. Just Plummer. get a sort of equivalent of Dave or one of uh, those movies where Eddie Murphy plays every character. <laughs> yeah. And then um, just do that with Christopher Plummer in this movie about four old characters guys on a stag do perfect perfect yeah um but yeah that dream casting aside the uh, ever loquacious dougal mcqueen <laughs> has returned to our facebook page um he uh, was obviously had a particular person on his mind when he commented and um, he suggested having grace jones as the princess in 
Princess Bright. <laughs> but who plays the Bright? He wants to have Grace Jones as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Wow. And he's also just in Grace Jones as Grace of Monaco. That legitimately would have been probably better. Yeah. I mean, she's like a sort Grace of Grace terrifying... Jones as Grace Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Pull up to my bumper, baby. You know that song? Yeah, it's that Grace uh, Kelly song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as covered by Grace Jones. And Chris Young has suggested Sylvester Stallone as Mrs. Doubtfire, which is actually brilliant. A pretty good idea. That would be better. I think Robin Williams has um, this issue where uh, he's, he's another person who's got kind of crazy face, you know? Yeah. Like the Tom Cruise thing where you look into your eyes and you're like, you're, you know. So it makes him like very hilarious. But in his more like heartfelt moments, I don't know if it's like chiming well is this insensitive <laughs> for me to say after sir uh, no not at all suicide? I don't know like there's a bit in the end of Mrs. Doubtfire where he's like pleading with the judge like I just want to see my kids or whatever he's like doing it in such a way as if I was the judge I'd be like should this man be allowed to see them <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean uh, it, is, it is quite creepy what he does it's, it is creepy yeah like really creepy especially when he starts like interfering with like his wife's new relationship with the perfectly nice Piers Brosnan yeah, yeah. he's not even a dick Piers no Brosnan. no he's a perfectly nice he's man he's like a really nice guy yeah and he's you know much handsomer than Robin Williams. He's quite a catch. Yeah, he's Bond for Christ's sake. He's <laughs> Bond. Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print. So Zorro. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> So, Zorro. Zorro. That's a way to start a conversation. So, you know, he hasn't been rebooted in a while. It's been ages since The Legend of Zorro, the inferior follow-up to the classic Mask of Zorro, which is one of my favourite movies as a kid. Was Bandera still Zorro in The Legend of Zorro? Yeah. Or the, the protege of Anthony Hopkins Zorro? What? Isn't that what he is in The, in the Mask of Zorro? Yeah, in the he, first one, he like, like becomes Zorro. He becomes Zorro. Because, like, wasn't Anthony Hopkins Zorro? Yeah, I think that's one of the clever things about the movie, because... He's like this um, Spanish guy, but he's always been played by white people. And then, like, and in the Mask of Zorro, they pass it, they it, pass from, it on to yeah. like the actual like Antonio Barris, and he like crushes it. But anyway, so they're like, "What do we own?" Fox are like, "What have we got in the old uh, library? We need to make a film out of that." So it's been muted for a while, and f- um, for a bit, Gail Garcia Banal was attached to the Zorro reboot. But now it's gathering a bit more steam. But apparently, the weirdest thing about this take is that it's going to be set in a post-apocalyptic future. <laughs> What? Um, it's like the Phantom. Yeah. Obviously, Wait, they saw the receipts for Mad Max. They were like, people dig uh, smoky, horrible, postal bit wastelands. Um, so that is a bizarre decision, I think. I'm not really sure why you do that. I mean, if you're going to have a kind of masked highwayman, I guess you can either do, you know, the past when such people existed. Sure. Or you can do a kind of society broken down in the future. But he's a highwayman into that. He's a it, he's a swashbuckler, right? What's the point of having a sword in the post-apocalyptic future? Well, there's because they've you know I Run don't know guns. Yeah, they, they, all the oil required to make bullets, or however they, I don't know, that's not how they're made. But yeah, you know, technology is broken down. Guns are out. Everyone's back to swords. Like they can't use um, battleships and destroyers anymore. Everyone just rides around on galleys. It's basically <laughs> the post-apocalyptic future has transformed everything back into the 18th or um, yeah. 19th century, thus rendering it pointless to set it in the future <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm but not... isn't this like the Phantom? You know, like that's a... 
the, the Billy Zane film. Yeah, but he he's a kind of Zorro type masked swashbuckling figure. Is yeah. that set in the future? Right? No, that's like the thirties. Oh, is that set in the thirties? Yeah. Oh, was there a cartoon series where it's Phantom in the Future? <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, like Phantom Three Thousand. Sorry, sorry for this, like, <laughs> tr- you know, weird noodling. So. I don't know if uh, Gail Garcia Bernal is no longer attached to it, so I don't know if they're going to lure him back or they just find another hot, hot young Spaniard to play him. I'd just get Banderas back, right? He's only 55. I thought old man kicking ass was the thing, you know? Yeah. He looks amazing for his age. The take and take. Yeah. Also, he's so good in that movie. He's just great in everything, really. Well, he sort of played Zorro recently as a cat, right? In Puss in Boots. Yeah. He's, so now he he's, just needs to... Yeah. He's taking that performance and put it into a cat at the moment. It's sort of... Just needs to take it back out of the cat put it into himself yeah. as, as a human man exactly yeah why not um, unless there's any other like sexy young Spanish men around any sexy young Spanish men out there wanna play Zora <laughs> um, exciting sequel news sequels often seem a bit automatic and boring and why don't they think of something new to do kind of news yeah but this one pretty happy to see the excellent comedy from last year What We Do in the Shadows which is a kind of vampire mockumentary from the team behind Eagle vs. Shark. Eagle yeah. Shark. Taika Waititi and um, Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords fame, um, including Reese Darby, also from Flight of the Concords. They're back. They're gonna be, there's going to be a What We Do in the Shadows 2. It is in the planning stages, according to Jermaine Clement. So we don't really have um, very much on the details on that. So it may, may not like absolutely definitely happen, but um, <laughs> according to Clement in an interview with the Seattle Times... They are working on it. Um, he also wanted to do another spin-off from What We Do in the Shadows on TV about the sort of two bumbling cops in it that will be called Police 10-7. <laughs> but um, he seems to be having some trouble getting comedy made in New Zealand, so uh, he's also struggling with that one. So two fantastic ideas which we hope will yeah, will, will make it in, but haven't yet. Sure. I wasn't like hugely blown away by What We Do in the Shadows, if I'm honest with you. I really liked it. I thought it was excellent. I think it should have had more Reese Darby in it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. That been good. Final bit of news. Kindergarten Cop 2 is finally happening. Yes. Ming. Hooray. I know when like we all went to see that's Kindergarten Cop. as excited Cop. as I can sound about anything. Yeah. And I was like, you watch Kindergarten and Cop, you're like, when the hell are they going to make a sequel? I mean, it's a very concept-driven film. Yeah. I mean, how would you make a sequel? But they're making one. The sequel should be set in the UK, and it should be called Primary School Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I assume that's the direction they're going in. So the first one obviously starred Arnold Schwarzenegger, who uh, yelled at some kids to find out which one was the son of a gangster so he could protect him. It's a famous scene like, who is your daddy and what does he what do? What does he do? Who is your daddy? But Arnold is not in this one. Bizarre considering he just likes to sort of revisit all his old roles now in the hope of rekindling his career. Surely the way that sequel works is they just remake the first one and then he just walks in as an old man. He's like, <laughs> I've been waiting for you. <laughs> they should remake all of his old movies where he's just doing one of the, you know, the iconic scenes and then he just walks in, like pulls down his hood. He's like, I've been waiting for you. And he just kills him. It's an old version of himself. Exactly. But this one, Arnie's out. 
So they're like, who is another sort of uh, muscle-bound man with a European accent? They've got Dolph Lundgren in. Yeah. Got to get the Dolph. They got their um, roller decks out with all the cast of The Expendables. <laughs> and they just went through it until someone said yes. Yeah. It's, this is another... Um, it's odd that he's not in it because you think that's a title which is reasonably well thought of. There's money to be made of that in a sort of cynical way. So I don't know why Dolph is doing it. But um, is he playing the same character or is it um, different character? I don't know if it's the same concept. European cop <laughs> infiltrates <laughs> school. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, it's a bit of a strange. I can understand that they're doing a remake, but a sequel. Is that one of those movies that really set up a sequel? Not at all. Like he ends up um, dating the the mum of the kid he's protecting. Yeah. So I want to know what happened with them. What happened with the relationship? You know. Right, twenty years on. That's true. And that kid, he probably had a bit of a stressful time, you know, with all those gangsters around. Yeah. And um, do you think he's a bit fucked up? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think he's pretty fucked up. And so he's like twenty-eight or something. He's got like issues. Yeah. <laughs> and the cops marriage is on the rocks, and the only thing that can reunite the family it's is the... if he goes into another school. What about this? They all witness a crime and have to go witness protection scheme because she's a teacher. Right. The mum. Yeah. So they all have to go work at this school. So they're all... They're all... They're all infiltrating the school. Yeah. So it's like witness protection, but it's like, but we'll send you to the school where the criminals are. <laughs> yeah. The least... The police, the least expect you to be. <laughs> you have to solve the crime and avoid being killed by the criminals who are looking for you. Yeah. Yeah. But wow. they're right there. But they're right there. <laughs> because you have to be there in order to solve the crime. Man, we just nailed it. We nailed oh, yeah. It. I thought the obvious way to go with the sequel would be like he goes somewhere else, like he goes to an oil rig or, you know, yeah, some some other. Or like, well, the comedy is right. Like he's a gruff cop and he's not good around kids. He's not good around so kids. what else wouldn't a, would a gruff cop not be I good around? Like a vet's maybe, and he's got to like deal with the dogs, like animal hospital type thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Veterinary clinic cop. <laughs> Yeah, veterinary clinic cop. Veterinary clinic cop. That's I think, a genius. That would be, I think that would be great. You know, he's got to like do. He's got like, yeah. What's the matter with you, all, Mister Snoopy? <laughs> and like, the gangster has like a pet gerbil. He's really fond of or something. Yeah. And he's like, that's the way in. What is wrong with your gerbil? <laughs> How can I cure him? Yeah, you know? and he's really bad at it, but then he learns to love the animals. Yeah, and then he marries one of the animals' parents. <laughs> I don't know. My Arnie impression needs work. It's not really one of my staples. Anyway, anyway, end of the news. News is over. That's it. Done. <laughs> Fuck this news. My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her but she beats them in the end. Uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl was a hit this year's Sundance. Um, it's coming with a bit of buzz behind it. It's been very well received. It's the directorial debut of a woman called Marielle Heller, and it's a coming-of-age tale about a 15-year-old girl called Minnie Getz, who's played by Belle Powley, and she's going through a sexual awakening in 1970s San Francisco. Um, and as she tries to figure out who she is and what she wants in life, she starts an audio diary and an affair with her mother's 35-year-old boyfriend, Monroe, who's played by Alexander Skarsgård. Her mother is played by Kristen Wiig. She's a bit of a crazy mum. You know, she uh, takes cocaine and what? drinks and stuff, and she's what? a bit drunk. And here's a clip of her in one of her few non-drunk scenes. You know, you're not going to have that bod forever, man. I know that's not very feminist of me to say, but you might be happier if you put it out there a little bit, you know? Wear some makeup, wear a skirt once in a while. Jesus. 
Get some attention? You have a kind of power, you know, you just... You don't know it yet. Yeah. There we are. So I was slightly disappointed by this movie. I was hoping that I would like it more than I did. So, yeah, Belle Powley is probably the best thing about the movie. She's really, really excellent. She's 23 and completely convincing as a 15-year-old. And she's also uh, English, which I, I didn't realize, but wow. she's doing a really excellent sort of Californian accent. And it's quite a star-making performance that so you have to feel like she's going to go a long way from that. And it's quite a assured debut from Marielle Heller as well. I don't know uh, much about her or her background and stuff, but um, it's very deftly handled the movie and she puts a lot of different material together quite well and it's uh so she's one to watch looking forward to seeing what she does next but i do have some reservations about uh this film it's it's sort of exploring the issues that you have growing up as a kid and like you know it's crazy and you sure, don't know what's yeah. what and then the main focus of that is uh thinking about sex and like you know discovering sexual desire and stuff and it shares some resemblances with the TV show Skins, which I'm pretty sure was not a inspiration for this film and could be considered a bit of a jibe depending <laughs> on your view of that TV show um, in both like good and bad ways. And they explore the similar themes about the kind of blurred line between childhood and adulthood mm. and the way that teenagers can seem like grown-ups one second the next and like, remind you that they're actually just children yeah. um, a moment afterwards. And it, they, it deals with that theme in, in somewhat similar ways to Skins as well. For example, the way in which the adult figures are no more responsible or mature than the children and the way that the kids in both Skins and in this movie do a lot more uh, rumpy-pumpy and taking drugs and getting drunky than I did or than I imagine your average teen does. Speak for, you, speak for yourself, Sam. I know, maybe I had like a particularly dull teenage years, but... No, I don't think so. I don't think Skins was particularly accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's one of the drawbacks of that approach that it can be somewhat alienating while you're watching. Like, you know, being a teen was not that long ago for me and it makes it a little harder to identify with this explanation of what it's like to grow up as a teen if she's like always out sleeping with people and like having these crazy drug-fueled antics when when i was that age i was basically like going to choir rehearsals or like hanging out <laughs> in starbucks so and it has that sort of title like the title suggests that it's going to be quite a universal experience and so you know right yeah because but... it's like very general it's like here's what it's like to be a teenage girl in san francisco in 1976 it just like, gets more and more specific it's insane with a drugged up mum you had a crazy an, boyfriend you had an affair with a guy 20 years older than you didn't you when yeah, you, yeah, yeah. When you were a teen <laughs> yeah we yeah. can't mention his name for legal reasons <laughs> he's in the corridors of power now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but his name rhymes with Morris Conson. So I think... Th <laughs> <laughs> He's more than 20 years older than you. Well, he lied to me about his age. Yeah. So he got me in the sack. So, yeah, I think that's like kind of one of the key drawbacks of the movie, that um, her performance, Belle Pye's performance, is uh, really fantastic. It's showing that line between being a child and being an adult and seeming kind of vulnerable but sure. grown up at the same time. But I don't think the script is always as subtle uh, as, as that, as right, she is. Right, I see, yeah, yeah. So she kind of sounds like a kid when she records her diary and you hear her voiceover. But then in terms of her actions she pretty much has the same kind of neuroses and vulnerabilities of like a grown woman. Hmm. So I didn't always feel like I was watching a the sort of young vulnerable teen. Like she didn't, it was it was sort of going a bit too, uh, getting a bit too precocious maybe. Like right. A bit like Juno, yeah, yeah. you know, where she's just like a great writer has put words in my mouth. The movie is kind of dealing with this idea of 
um, personal responsibility, which is the most interesting theme in the film, which is like how much is she really responsible for what happens with her in this affair? Because it's borderline kind of a child abuse thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, she was like, is only just sort of going through puberty and stuff like that. And he's like a fully grown man. Um, and that's a really interesting idea, but I don't know if the like the film maintains such a distance from forming a judgment on it, and it's so agnostic about it that it doesn't really feel like it's a very incisive exploration of that problem. Yeah. So, in a way, their relationship is kind of like she is a vulnerable, creative young woman looking to fall in love. He is a laid back, slightly douchey guy, and that their whole relationship would kind of work if she was the same age. Mm. in a way like they're, they're kind of issues that they have are pretty much the same ones they would have if she was just like a, a full grown up yeah and I think maybe part of the, the problem there is that the thing that's like most fucked up is like sleeping with someone who is like a child yeah you know um, very recently but I think the movie wants to portray sexual desire in this very positive way and like um, be very liberated about girls like coming into the like understanding themselves sure, sexually and like you know and so she's very um she's got a sex drive and she like likes men a lot and likes having sex a lot and it portrays sex in quite a positive way <laughs> yeah yeah but it means that it doesn't like it doesn't seem like that's really an issue in their relationship well is they well from what you're saying they've wrapped up in like these two taboos right so yeah not only is he much older than her but she's also he's also her her, yeah, boyfriend. kind of a stepdad type. So figure. it's like adultery so it's like and statutory incestuous, rape. Yeah, and says like, yeah, yeah, um, and it, yeah. I don't know. If it, it felt like it wasn't, it just it just didn't feel like it was a terribly incisive exploration sure. of um, the possibly like possibly abusive undertones of that. And just the way that she genuinely behaves is she's quite like assertive and confident and assured and articulate. And you could read that as just a kind of cover for her teen vulnerabilities, but at the same time it just doesn't strike me as a totally realistic like i was like a child a second ago yeah 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 so it's not it's not it's not all bad by any means there's some nice moments like some of the dramatically moments are very nicely played a lot of it is down to the performances being very strong alexander skarsgård is very good he treads a nice line between uh, the creepy loser a pervy man and just a kind of laid-back california cool dude mm. um and he's really excellent and Kristen wig turns in a good performance as well as her messed up mum. and she's when you watch her you're always like looking for the comedy performance because I'm so used to seeing her in SNL sketches mm. um, but she's a very good dramatic actress as well so she's good in it excellent yeah there's, there's, there's certainly stuff to enjoy and I know that everyone else seems to have liked it more than I have um, but I don't know well, you don't come to film chat for everyone else's review you come in for the fucking truth yeah yeah Cut man the intelligentsia fucking twitterati bullshit you yeah know? So the sort of takeaway glib uh, patronizing version of this review is that it's based, it's kind of like a good skins episode. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask punchingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. Okay, so Trainwreck. This is the debut film by Amy Schumer, the so hot right now comedian. And uh, the synopsis is as followed. Since she was a little girl, it has been drilled into Amy's head by her rascal of a dad that monogamy isn't realistic. 
now a magazine writer, Amy lives by that credo, enjoying what she feels is an uninhibited life free from stifling, boring, romantic commitment. But in actuality, she's kind of in a rut. When she finds herself starting to fall for the subject of a new article she's writing, a charming, successful sports doctor named Aaron Connors, Amy starts to wonder if other grown-ups, including this guy who really seems to like her, might be onto something. Here is a clip of the doctor in question played by Bill Hader's asking Amy Schumer out in a charming fashion. I think we really like each other and we should start dating. No, I'm, I'm saying... I'm confused. I, am I not communicating this right? Like, I, I... No, I hear you. I'm just saying I disagree. Do you like me? Yeah. Yeah, see, I really like you. So we should be a couple. <laughs> no, no. I, I have pl plans. What are your plans? Dentist. Is that true? No. Oh, charming. So charming. So yeah, I really enjoyed this. It's the latest one from Judd Apatow, who, director of Knocked Up and Funny People, and this is 40. And if you know his films, I think there this is squarely a film by him and it has all the usual strengths and weaknesses, which is um, they're very funny, but it's a little bit sort of loose and baggy at times. And there's often the feeling that you're watching a few deleted scenes that have somehow slipped into the movie. Yeah. But I think he's a... Uh, I like him as a sort of presence in the Hollywood landscape because there's often talk of studios sort of um, the films they make is kind of shrinking in their purview and they just make these huge temple temple pictures and the sort of mid-budget dramas don't get made anymore and his films are like the sort of closest to like a mainstream drama outside a sort of Oscar season movie I know you just discussed Di Diary of a Teenage Girl but that's like an indie hit you yeah like, yeah yeah no I know it's kind of like mid-level character driven well, he sort film. of sneaks these uh, dramatic stakes into uh, yeah precisely comedies, and so. I'm just I'm a big fan of that kind of style so it's uh, really great. Amy Schumer and Bill Hader are like, ridiculously charming. And basically, they sort of carry the film through some ropier elements. And there's um, a slight cliched structure, uh, particularly in the end. But the movie had built up like enough goodwill that I was like, okay, why not? Um, is he getting on a plane and she like runs to the airport? No, but it's a similar, similar sort of thing. Right. And I think some people have been a bit um, negative on this film because... If you watch Amy Schumer's sketch show, it's very funny and it's also really um, progressive and makes a lot of sharp points about um, how women are portrayed in the media and, you know, it's a very strong feminist um, show. And this is a very formulaic rom-com, which is, like, hidden under some sort of, like, really filthy jokes and slightly more satirical elements, but you strip it away and it's a bit of a... just, like, a sort of formulaic yeah. girl meets boy. I've heard the criticism that there's something a bit like conservative about the message of the movie being like stop sleeping around and settle down get a man kind of thing yeah i think the sort of concept of it was that it's fine to like drink a lot and sleep around and you know the movie doesn't really try to pass judgment on that but i'm not sure how successfully they communicate the idea that she's decided to move on with her life rather than she had a problem and this doctor has fixed it yeah and i think just the general sort of messiness of the film obscures that point to the, where it becomes like maybe it's, it's a bit confused and yeah, that message yeah. doesn't come across as clearly as it is um as it could have been sorry um but yeah i think it's basically it's um that kind of point raises interesting discussion whether like rom-coms are just sort of like inherently a bit sexist because there's the female character must have some problem which is overcome by the end of the movie and this i maybe falls into it a little bit but 
yeah, it's got like enough new elements and there's a few like ballsier dramatic moves in the film, which I think sets it apart from just most things. Why I was a bit more hopeful at the start of the movie, the fact that she works in this magazine, like ever since Six in the City, it's like magazine writer is the sort of aspirational job of all female leads in rom-coms. Yeah, yeah. But in this one, it's like a parody of like this awful GQ magazine where it's like uh, ugliest six children under six is like the articles <laughs> they're writing. And like Tilda Swinton does a great turn as this like horrible, like amoral editor always like pitching random stuff, which is like incredibly misogynistic. But um, that isn't really true of the whole movie and it like falls into sort of cliche a lot so there's lots of really funny stuff in it lebron james is hilarious i didn't know who lebron james was before this movie i heard he's really good in it yeah that's like his kind of role is sort of maybe symptomatic of the movie in that he's sort of just playing the black best friends but it's like hilarious enough that it's fine in a way you know so it gets past the sort of eye rolling nature of it and um bill hader takes what is like the nicest guy in the world role and like does a lot with it and he's like super charming and um i think the criticism of judd apatel movies of them all just being like improvised to death and there's like you know a hundred different scenes that never made the film and all these different lines has its flaws but it really works in the sort of rom-com setting where they're just like um going on these dates and just like hanging out and uh, i kind of wish the movie would was a bit more like that in fact, I kind of like to see Judd Apatow just get like a straight drama script and just like put a bit of comedy in in it because like the best scenes in the movie are the sort of out and out dramatic moments where there's like these few like little laughs in it. Oh yeah, yeah, which ring really true. But yeah, like often it's not sure what kind of comedy it is because the tone varies massively from like ridiculously broad comedy. There's like a whole hilarious bit about Amy Schumer's wrestler boyfriend to some quite well observed just sort of like relationship drama. And it's not that all those scenes are funny unto themselves, but when put together, they're, they don't really sit that comfortably. Yeah. Maybe the best way for Judd Apatow to do that synthesis is just when half the characters are comedians. That's why, like, funny people is successful. Like, yeah. It's okay for them to make all these ridiculous jokes because they just are comedians. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the, probably the masterstroke in his casting was just having two seasoned um, comedy comedians as the leads. Yeah, yeah. So, um all their scenes are really great Amy Schumer is um, as as you'd expect is like her comic timing is amazing but she really like carries the film and they're like there's stuff I wasn't expecting in the film like quite strong dramatic moments there's like a whole subplot about her dad's got um, MS in the film and her dad is MS in real life and uh, yeah like there's some scenes where it's like straight out of a you know conventional drama and I was like oh shit Schumer 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 with your dramatic chops there Mm. bloody good yeah, so it's basically like five films at the same time, and it's a bit all over the place, but it's I laugh throughout, and um, I had the same feeling. When I left the cinema, I was like, I can imagine myself like watching this like several more times. I've seen like Knocked Up about six times now. It's always an ITV2, and every time I switch onto it, I can just sort of watch it. It's such an untaxing, sort of pleasant watch. It's a very good movie. Probably his best movie, maybe. Maybe. And uh, I think there's like that similar vibe. I don't know if I have a slight um, higher tolerance for the sort of Judd Apatow long character comedies. I, mean, I really like funny people and some people like, you know, 40 minutes should be cut out of the movie. But I quite like sort of just sort of sitting into it and it's like it's going to be two hours with just some there's jokes throughout. Yeah, I like funny people's good. Um, and yeah. I think it's like a similar thing. Definitely Apatow fan. But yeah, I would check it out. Check it out. Cool. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. 
Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Oh, thank God we got all that feminist bullshit out of the way. So, um, man, testosterone fell. Yeah! Yay, all the female characters are secondary characters. They don't oh, drive yes! the story. Yes! 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah! Oh, thank God. Ooh. So, um, I went to see Marshland yesterday. It's a Spanish crime thriller. came out last whoa, year whoa, in Spain. Subtitles? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> take oh, I, I take yeah. it all back. I oh, it's got man in it. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, yeah, fucking subtitles <laughs> Spanish. Speak a proper language! So, it came out last year in Spain, won a bunch of awards there, whatever crazy awards they give out in Spain. Crazy awards. I don't know what they do there. And now it's come to our shores. Um, it's set in 1980 after the fall of Franco in Spain, and two detectives are sent to a small town in the marshes around the Guadalquivir River, I'm sure you know it well, yep. to investigate the disappearance of two young girls. One of them is this sort of stoic professional guy who doesn't drink, and the other one is a carousing older man Whoa. with possible links to the old fascist regime. How are they going to get on? They both have moustaches, they're both smart, and they, you know, they look at clues, and they go from one clue to the other, and they speak to people, and they investigate. Shit. Yeah. It's a detective drama. It's like a southern Spanish noir kind of thing. Cool. And it's very much a genre film, but it's very moody. It's very polished. It's really well put together, and I really enjoyed it, basically. It sort of pushed every correct button for doing a crime thriller well. Yeah. And even though it doesn't really add anything new to that genre... It's just so well pitched that I'm like, fine. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of um, time for crime thrillers. I really enjoyed The Killing and I like Spiral and, and that kind of thing. And if you like uh, stuff like that and are looking for something that will like totally change your world. Yeah, um, it doesn't take like, 20 hours of your like, life. To- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not like totally genre busting or anything. Um, then I highly recommend uh, checking it out. The photography is really spectacular. It's a really beautiful part of the world. And they have this thing of doing top-down landscape shots from very high up, possibly with a drone or something like that. I think it might be kind of the advantages of drone filming where you can just do these crazy shots really cheaply. And it looks really amazing. It starts with these plate shots of the marshes where it's set, and it just looks absolutely stunning. It's like it's like reading the um, Natural Geographic or something at the beginning. And then sometimes they will end a scene with some kind of moody music, and then a faraway shot of a car mm. driving away in some sort of beautiful, dusty Spanish landscape or something. And it's Whoa. like it's really nice. Yeah, so that elevates it a lot. The performances are really good. Like the two main guys, they're not terribly fleshed out characters. Um, particularly the stoic one who just kind of has a big moustache and frowns and looks kind of handsome and doesn't say too much. <laughs> but they have a lot of uh, screen presence, both of the actors, and they give very committed performances. And so it's, I feel, okay. Like, I don't know if they're like fully three-dimensional characters, but... Um, there was enough. But there was enough. There was enough there. And the script is really tight as well. It's a good mystery. It's got all the, the good kind of... Uh, mystery things the the guy has a tattoo he's got a there's actually a movie which has a huge abundance of little clues for them to pick up on later Mm. you know like the cover of the magazine with that symbol on it that you see in the car window later sure you know it's full of moments like that which can make the film a little bit hard to follow at times because you feel like you should have a notebook with you all these little clues written down so you can know what it means when it comes up later rather than that feeling of like I've seen that once but I don't really know (laughs) what the context was so I don't remember why it's significant so I didn't like 100% follow the action, but I don't know if that's my fault rather than uh, the movies. But 
the plotting seems to be very tight and it's very well paced as well very gradually kind of winds up the tension so at the beginning you're just kind of enjoying them like going from place to place speaking to people and being like are they lying you know what are you getting out of it and then over time it gets more and more tense and it feels like every new thing they go to presents them with more danger and uh, that's all handled very very well um, and there's quite a cool backdrop the setting is is interesting um, this country which has just come out of a fascist regime and so is sort of new to democracy but the shadow of fascism is still looming very large and the two detectives represent those kind of two halves because there's that one guy who's yeah. older and comes from the fascist past and this young guy who's this sort of young uh, very principled democratic guy mm. and so it's that kind of old world versus new thing obviously the the mismatched cop thing is like the most standard trope of all time but that's quite an interesting way of doing it i think that kind of physical clash and there's just enough to it there to feel for you to feel like it's adding adding some depth to the movie rather than it just being some shoehorned in a little bit like did you see killing them softly the andrew dominic movie um, that was like it's like that. Well, it's a bit like that. It's like a crime movie um, with Brad Pitt as this super cool hitman. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. But it's sort of the movie looks like it's set in the eighties or something, but it's actually set right now, and you can tell how contemporary it is because they keep cutting to Obama being on TV giving a speech about America or something, hmm. and you're watching, you're a bit like it's commentary. <laughs> I don't know, I don't get it. Yeah, Whereas yeah. in this film, it felt like the plot was much better integrated into that world, and it had a lot more to say about it yeah or it was um it was good so yeah i i highly recommend it i would say that the gender roles in it are like highly traditional to that genre in a way which is a little bit boring like the crime they're investigating is like the disappearance of young women and like i don't know i kind of feel like i've seen all the mutilated young woman corpses i want to see in a film you know <laughs> yeah that's uh that's a little bit too um uh, inevitable but yeah, other than that, good, solid crime thriller. Check it out. Cool. Find it, watch it, um, cosplay it. Yeah. Do it. Yesterday I bumped into Imelda Staunton. She was up with her dog and we got talking. I asked her what she does when she isn't acting. She said she likes podcasts for relaxing. Imelda, when you're in the mood, what do you listen to? So, Diary of a Teenage Girl obviously got me thinking back to my own formative years. Yeah. And rather like Mini Gets in the film, I too kept a diary. Um, I also chose the medium of audio because writing is so long isn't it it's tiring that's your hand yeah we tried to launch it as a blog and we're like fuck this oh god (laughs) (laughs) yeah so instead i thought i would get out um my old recording device i can't remember what i had whatever i had to hand at the time and uh record some of my thoughts so i went and um dug around recently and like found um what i was thinking about that time it's remarkably similar to what mini gets was thinking about in the movie as i'm sure You'll agree. So maybe we can hear a few choice snippets of that. Dear Diary, I found out today that they're about to start showing a special extended edition of Have I Got News For You on Fridays. It will contain 10 minutes of extra material that couldn't fit onto the regular broadcast. Holy shit. I am not sure who I am right now. My stomach feels like it wants to leap into my brain and challenge it to a duel. 
I need to talk to someone, but Mum is out and Dad is asleep, and John is writing a poem about the 55th Doge of Venice. My mind is a jumble, so I, I thought I would record my thoughts onto my state-of-the-art MP3 player. I had to delete one of my shaggy albums to make room for the audio files, but it's okay. If you're listening to this without my permission, please stop. Okay, just stop now. Not because... There will be a lot of personal stuff on here, but because I'm about to spend the next 15 minutes rhapsodizing about Paul Merton making his funny jokes about dolphins and the Pope and stuff like that. I'm so excited I could sing. Maybe I'll improvise a song about Paul and Ian and Angus and their teasing. No, that's not a good idea. Dear Diary, I've just taken off all my clothes and I'm looking at my rapidly changing body in the mirror and all I can think about is how much I want to do the solo in Rejoice in the Lamb. That's a choir piece by Benjamin Britten. I know I can do it, but I'm worried I won't be picked. Dear Diary, I was thinking about how much I need the touch of another body and how I'm worried I will always be alone, and it made me wonder, do they mind if you take a book in Borders and then read it in the Starbucks upstairs for three hours and take it back later? It's probably okay if the cover isn't bent, right? God, it's so confusing being a teenager. I wonder, sensitive young man you were. I was a sensitive young man. Absolutely. That's what I thought when I listened to it. I was like, wow, that guy's going to grow up, do some incredible things. And then I thought about my own life right now, and then I just wept. <laughs> what happened, man? What happened? You were so full of joy. I know. I had so much potential. What the hell happened? Now look at us. Anyway, on that rather downcast note, it's the end of today's episode of Film Chat. See you all soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Leave the making out once. Love him and leave him fast. I guess I must be dumb, cause you had a pocket full of horses, Trojan, and some of them were used. But it was a Saturday night, I didn't mix it all right, and I said, what have I got to lose? And honey, I say, little red Corvette, baby, you're much too fast. Little red Corvette, you need a love that is going to last like our long-term marriage years now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.